All right, here we go. All right, uh, there's two handouts. Uh, one of them is for next week. Sandy Kahn will be leading the discussion on the second half of Chapter 6. Uh, so today we're just finishing up the, the idols of technology and coolness. And next week, Sandy Kahn will lead the discussion about the idol of sex. Um, Well, you know, it's funny, though, because this last Sunday, someone who wasn't a, a, a member at St. John asked me about, hey, you know, Lutherans, and they didn't really know much about Lutherans. And they said, well, what do you do? And I said, well, you know, I, uh, I, I work with the children, I preach, and, you know, I teach women's Bible study. And they said, what? What? <laughs> Why don't you have a woman teach women's Bible study? I said, well, because, uh, you know, it's the Bible, and it's about the theology, and I'm trained to do it. But you're, but, I mean, it's flabbergasted, but you're not a woman. I said, well, we don't really, uh, we don't necessarily spend time talking about being a woman. We spend a lot of time talking about what God says and what Scripture says. Oh, well, that makes sense. Well, this woman actually had her daughter sitting there, and her daughter, actually, it was hilarious, because her daughter took the opposite side of her mother and said, huh, what do you know? A pastor teaching a women's Bible study. Who would have thought, huh? And her mom looks at her like, sounds good to me. <laughs> I, was, I was like, okay, I'm not going to get involved in this. But, but uh, to a certain extent, um, Next week, I think, will be outside my skill set. I mean, I, I mean, not necessarily, but I feel like Sandy will have an extra level of uh, empathy, encouragement. Yeah, yeah, it should be. I, I guess. I mean, I don't know. We might have to listen to it. I don't, I don't know how like, intimate things will be. But um, so the one handout is she had given me a... Uh, like a blog, I guess you would say, from a, a local person by, uh, I guess his name's Dr. Flanagan. And uh, it's a little letter to his daughter. So uh, that, that's kind of, that coincides with what uh, Elizabeth Scalia has written. And it, it just came out, I don't know, last month. But it made the rounds. It even made, uh, it made the Today Show. Yeah, it made it. Yeah, so... Uh, so that's kind of interesting. He, he's he's uh, he, they live in Wheaton. He's a he's a Christian person. I mean, a Christian guy. So, um, and then the other handout, obviously, is just kind of the discussion guide for today. Don't forget to sign in with a crayon. No, I actually don't. I, why why do I need a pen? Crayon works fine, Cindy. I. Uh, I thought to myself, oh, I got to go find a, a, a pen. I'm like, well, why do I need a pen? People are going to presume a pen. Why can't a crayon work? So I had Audrey bring a crayon up. Just because. It's cool. <laughs> All right, before we, uh, so last week I introduced the Generation Like. Some of you might have watched it. Some of you might not have watched it. Some of you watched it. Some of you might not. That's okay. Because we're going to watch... It's a it's a 53 minute program. Obviously, we're not going to watch it. We're going to watch about uh, 15 minutes of it because it is something where 
uh, it just simply demonstrates kind of the whole entire thing. Uh, but before we get to that, we need to, we just briefly touched on this last week, but we really kind of need to ground ourselves in uh, identity. Because coolness and the in crowd, the out crowd, how we see ourselves, uh, not just personally, but also in relationship to others, is, is a, you know, this directs the conversation. So, Building on this quote from Elizabeth Scalia, if we know where we belong, we know who you know. We know who we are. If we are secure and all that, then uh, fitting in with the latest idea becomes a minimal concern. So uh, that that's real helpful. And we're going to ask these questions of ourselves and say, you know, hear what God says. And then, as after we watch the, the these these clips, we're going to then ask the questions of what we see in the video. All right, so the questions are, who are you? Or, you know, how do you know who you are? Um, who, who tells you who you are? Or whose voice do you listen to? Um, what happens when the one who, who tells you who you are actually likes you? And then last but not least, how do you get the one to say these words or those words? So who are you? And... Uh, this is real important. So Matthew chapter 3, 13 through 4, verse 11, is the baptism of Jesus and the temptation of Jesus. They, they come right on back to back. What do we find out from the baptism of Jesus? We find out who he is. The father says, this is my beloved son. Okay. And then what else does he say about him? Yeah, in whom I am pleased. All right, so what's interesting is the baptism of Jesus, we find out who Jesus is. Now, in the Gospel, Mark especially, that's the first thing said. Like, we know who Jesus is because of the baptism. Uh, in Matthew and Luke, we have all, you know, kind of this infancy narrative, and so we get a little bit different picture, uh, or, or maybe a, a different introduction to who Jesus is. But they all really kind of come to a point in the baptism of Jesus, because once Jesus is baptized, he heads out into the desert, and you know all hell breaks loose from uh, from the baptism all the way to the death, to the crucifixion. So th- that's really important. So in baptism, we find out who Jesus is, Son of God. Uh, so we find out who he belongs to, and then also what the Father thinks about him or says about him, and and he's pleased in him. All right, now, the thing is, though, the temptation of Jesus by Satan, what, we just heard it this last week in the gospel reading. What is, what is the fundamental question what Satan asks Jesus? Remember by chance? If you have your Bibles, you can open up and look. He was 40 days in, in the desert without Yeah, what's the question, though, that Satan asks him? If you are the Son of God. Questions his identity, and he questions the the very thing that God said. So his identity, and also what God the Father thinks about Jesus. Because he says, "If you are the Son of God, do this." All right. So identity is attached to what? What's that? Oh no 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 no! What Satan says? Doing something. That's very important. 
So what happens in baptism is Jesus declares, I mean, God declares who Jesus is by grace. Okay, very important. Satan directly questions that. You're not the son of God because you can't do anything. All right, so you have this battle going on. All right, of course, what is Jesus, how does Jesus respond to Satan? Well, yeah, he quotes God's word, what God has said to him. So, so what, God, what Jesus responds with is the proper voice. He's not listening to Satan. He's listening to the Heavenly Father. All right, now in Romans chapter 6, 1 through 6, this is what we kind of looked at like last week, is that what we find out in Romans chapter 6 is what goes for Jesus goes for the baptized. Don't you know that you've been baptized into Christ's death? Therefore, if you've been baptized into his death, you will also be raised with him. So what goes for Jesus goes for the baptized. So who are you is I am baptized. And I'm baptized also carries what God said to Jesus. So I'm a child of God, and God is pleased with me. All right. I have a little quote from Luther. This blessed sacrament of baptism helps you because God allies himself with you and becomes one with you in a gracious covenant of comfort. So the identity of baptism or of, of God gives comfort and security. It's, there's never a question, am I in, am I out, am I doing right wrongly in terms of acceptance. Okay, so, uh, so then now, obviously this will be easy. Who has the authority, even the ability to tell you who you are? Well, it's, again, we've already said this. It's the one who uh, created you. So, God the Father has the authority, and no one else can question it. So, like, no one has the authority to question who you are. That's why Satan, when, when Jesus responds to Satan, he kind of, I mean, he, he basically says, you know, who are you? Now, with that respect, when God says who, who we are, Romans 14.8, we just read this in the chapel, we are the Lord's. And Martin Luther's got a really nice quote about, in the Latin, the domine. In the genitive, we are the Lord's, because um, we are his dwelling place, his members. And in the nominative, not to get into an English lesson, because we rule over all things through faith, which is our victory. And because, thanks be to God, we trample the lion and the dragon underfoot. Now, that might seem a little bit self-serving or self-centered, but the lion and the dragon is anything that would cause you to doubt what God's said. So, as people, or as Satan comes to tempt you with your identity and God's grace, that's when we see ourselves as lords and say, um, I'm kind of a big deal. Leave me alone. Whatever you say doesn't count. All right? So, um, that, that's a, uh, that, that, so when God says that of us, that, that actually does something to us. Because when, you know, so what happens to you when 
The one who has authority likes you. Um, your identity is reinforced. Exodus 6, 7, that, that's the first time it's actually said, uh, know that I'm your God and you're my people. But you get this repeated all the way through the Old Testament, even up through into the New Testament, and Paul quotes this in Romans something or other. <laughs> um, so, when God says, hey, you're going to be my son, and I'm pleased with you, and God continually says, hey, you, these, this is who you are. I like you. God always continually says, I'm going to be your God, and you're going to be my people. Now, when God says that, when we see this in John, what happens is that you also you receive joy. In John 16, 24, it's kind of this whole chapter 16, when Jesus declares you to be with him, your joy is complete, even though in the world you're going to have tribulation. But don't worry about it. I've overcome the world. So again, Jesus is reinforcing what the Heavenly Father has said, that you don't listen to the world. You listen to me. Why? First of all, I made you. And then now Jesus adds another layer to that. I've overcome it. Jesus is kind of a big deal. He's, he's the one. All right. Uh, and, and so um, Luther's quote here is, is, I like this one. We should rely on these things and say, hey, I've been baptized. I believe in Jesus. I have received the sacrament. What do I care? And he goes on this whole discussion, like, what do I care what these people say about, it was about predestination, but whatever. That's beside the point. Just that whole stance is very helpful. The way he looks at things is that he Luther, you know, grounds himself in the fact that he's been baptized, he has Christ, and he has the sacraments. Nothing else. What do I care? Not that he's apathetic, but I mean, you know, he sounds so cool there, doesn't he? I think I feel like this sounds cool. Like, whatever. Okay. So how do you get the one to say these words? It's grace. Ephesians 2, 8 through 10, that's a very well-known passage. Um, For by grace you have been saved through faith, not of works, lest any man should boast. Um, And then verse 10 is that we should walk in these good works that God has created to us. So we're welcomed into this relationship. We're welcomed into the, the relationship with Jesus and as we walk, enter into this relationship with Jesus, Jesus has this way for us. We have a way of life. And in Ephesians chapter 2, it's a life that's, that's life-giving. So you live a life that gives life. Okay, that's, that's important. We're welcomed into this relationship. And as we're welcomed into this relationship, it gives life. Not only to me, but through me. And then we have a nice little quote from Martin Luther. That's from the large catechism. It's a beautiful, glorious exchange. Christ takes our sin. He gives us his cool clothes. By the way, I wanted to, that's, that's the main reason why I put that there. He gives us a whole new set of clothes. And then also, towards the end there, um, it, uh, he gives us something to live for. We're freed to live in righteousness. Uh,
very last sentence. We are freed from sin and death and given his righteousness and life as our own. All right. Okay. So these are the things. We're going to ask, after we watch the generation like, we're going to ask, how do they figure out who they are? What authority do they, you know, do they listen to? What does it mean when that authority likes you? And what kind of life then does this, this, this authority give? Okay? Now, if you watched it this last week, you, you kind of figure it out already. But um, I want to I have us to see it in real time. Now, this is, uh, again, this is a video from Frontline. Um, it's mainly dealing with children, teenagers, young people. Uh, obviously, we're not teenagers. We're young people, whether in heart or in body. However, the, the important thing for us to actually see this for is, while it might not directly impact us, this is kind of where we are in life. Okay? I mean, you can just, yeah. So we're not going to see this, but there's a point in, in the video where the guy says, this is the way it is. and it, there's no, you, you can't say, I'm just not going to be a part of it. It's just not an option. Although I'd like it to be an option. But. Okay. Oh, yeah, and it just, uh, there's some uh, statistics here. So uh, 95% of the U.S. teens use the Internet. That shouldn't necessarily come as a surprise, but it's a surprise because even in uh, poor areas, so it's not like this is only for certain people. This is for everybody. Yeah, there's, a, there's actually a story in, in the video about a, a young man who lives in Compton. And he has a, he's got an iMac, and, I mean, he's on the Internet. So how do you, how, and that's a poor place. Okay, uh, how do teens get online, mainly with their phones? I don't know if you can actually read that. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, the 37% of all teens have smartphones, and in 2011 it was 23% only. All right, 90, basically 9 out of 10 kids have an access to the computer at home, but that access mainly is just public access, you know, the, the, um, it's the family's computer. Now, where do they go online when they go on the computer? Facebook, Snapchat, Instagram, Twitter, and Pinterest. I think they were all mentioned in the book. Is this true, Mary? Do you, do you go on these things? Yes. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So the um, oh yeah. So which services do you use at least several times per week? It's not like they just kind of go on. It's they always go on. Teens want a space of their own. The thing you see when you look at what's driving them is how do you hang out with people that matter to them and not have to put up with the people that drive them crazy. That's a interesting quote. The, the other, oh, did, is this in here? I, oh, yeah, it's right there. Okay. Uh, what do they do online? Nine out of ten people just put photos of themselves on the Internet. <laughs> Selfies. Now, look at it. In 2006, it was 80%, which is I thought was super high. I mean, virtually everybody puts a picture. 
and only only a quarter post videos. Okay, now the reason I bring that up is do they care about privacy? All right, and this goes to the values that are kind of embedded in kind of this arena. Uh, so 60% set their profiles to private. However, you know, half the teens um, you know, say it's not difficult. Now, this quote down at the bottom, which I, I don't know if you can read. So I'll read it. Uh, Kids today have less mobility than they have historically, which is very interesting. The kinds of trouble that we may have had when we were running around with our friends is now taking place in a very traceable, very persistent environment. So we have to recognize that, that, and that changes the dynamics. So kids don't go to the mall. I mean, I I think about this with Audrey. Like, I'm, I'm afraid to let her walk down the street. You know, of course, when I was, I mean... I, I, I rode my bike across town, went to John Winter's house, and then his parents would let us run around town. I mean, we went everywhere. Uh, again, it's Wassa, but it's like Wheaton. Probably has more crime than Wheaton, but I, I would never, I don't know. It's so hard for my kids, let my kids to even think about that. So, so anyways, so, okay, kids are going to hang out with their friends. This is where, this is, I don't want to say they've been forced into this situation, but this has been, this is where they do it. And that's the very irony. Isn't that, is, that's ironic. It's traceable, and as we watch the video, it's quantifiable, and people manipulate it. All right. All right, so this is kind of the, the, the sad thing is, 90, 9 out of kids, 9 out of 10 kids post their real name post their birthdays, and they actually, half of them give an email address. Not that they use it, but, yeah, I, f- I, f- I find that disheartening. Okay, some little statistics there. Yeah, you know, and I, I mean, when I was a kid, you know, I always heard, you know, hey, you kids these days, so I'm turning into one of those people. <laughs> I'm trying not to be, though, that, that's the thing, I'm, I'm trying to objectively and critically think about this. I just, I just wish. <laughs> yep. So, anyways, so that that's part of the that's part of the issue of of why we're tackling this is that, um, yeah, it's inevitable, and we have to be present. Yeah. Okay. Oh, uh, just in case you don't know what we're watching, um, it's called Generation Like. It deals with uh, what's cool in social media, basically. Now, we're only going to watch kind of the sociology parts of the video. There's another part about the business side of it. And that's, this is, that's probably the kind of the, 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 the creepiest part of it all. However, uh, it's not necessarily pertinent to what Scalia talks about. So, Jan. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Uh, it's 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 very interesting. Now, let's just deal with the questions that we we kind of created because as we kind of answer them, 
things will come aware. And and I I mean hopefully we won't have too much time to talk about like how does the church kind of answer these questions with these kids or, or this generation. Um, but hopefully you'll you'll kind of start doing that. Okay, they're gonna show a commercial for life insurance. Um, all right, so we uh, in that video clip we kind of tackled most of those questions. We're gonna watch one at the end here, um, more about how, how, like what you do to get a response. Um, we might have to watch two commercials. So, all right, so. Um, Although, uh, yeah, we'll watch we'll watch this uh, one this one last clip. We might, yeah, we'll might maybe forward it. So th- this part this part of the video though, it started introducing kind of the big corporations. Now th- they'll get into all that, but again, that's that's kind of outside the purview of the chapter. Still very interesting. So the discussion now talks about the word sellout. And uh, hopefully we all kind of know what that means. But we find out these children have no idea what a sellout means. Sellout in the old days was like an artist who did art for art's sake. And then if a company wanted to like use their music in a commercial and if they allowed them, they'd be, hey, you're a sellout. You're not doing this for the pure reasons. It's all about the money. Okay. Okay. All right, so let's go to these questions. Um, hopefully I didn't make you too depressed. Uh, you know, what's, what's interesting is, is that... Um, yeah, okay, well, okay. The, uh, uh, so how do the kids define who they are as in the clips that you watch? What makes them them? Yeah, likes, right? I mean, it's all about likes. Now, um, all right, so then who who has the authority or the ability to tell them who they are? Other people, and is it people that they know by, by name and face, though? No, not, I mean, not necessarily. The other aspect, though, it's not just, it's not other in this enigma, but it's also the corporations. That, that If we watched the whole video, you would have seen that, too is that kind of the in-crowd is this enigma of likes and these corporations. Because as the girl from the Hunger Games, she's validated when she got this, it was a tweet, right? A tweet from somebody in the, and I, I, I hate to burst their bubble, but it's probably not the guy. It's probably the marketing department from the movie. But So anyways, that's... Uh, yeah, so they have given the authority to an enigma or corporations. All right, then what happens to you when the one who has authority likes you? Then what, what, what does it do? You heard it a few times in there. Powering. <laughs> Cindy. Yeah, right. No, there is no don't like option. Okay. <laughs> nope. So it is, it is a, we, we talked a long time ago about the idealized self or the Facebook self. I mean, this is, a, you know, this is it. This is the, the reality of it. So you only tell people what you like. 
Yes, there you go. Uh, um, all right, not only do you feel empowered, but it makes you what? Feel good, it said. So it's almost like a crack cocaine type of thing. They want more. And then um, also, then, okay, so how do you get, how do you get people to like you? And how do you get whatever, corporations or whatever, to like you? What? You sell out, which means you do what, ever, yeah, you do what people, and sometimes, uh, yep, now, now that last little bit was probably the most disheartening. I was a little concerned about even showing that, but I thought, you know, we better do it. Um, Remember in the chapter where Scalia talks about the, the fracture of the family, the fracture, the breakup of the family, and the parents who don't act like parents? Case in point. Okay. Yeah, I mean, that's why I, I, this video is the great intersection between these two chapters. I mean, you watch it, and it's the two chapters. Scalia is absolutely right. Um, okay, Krista. I think. I'm illiterate with all these things. And, uh, but I think that's a kind of dream world. Mm-hmm. You are alone in your room and you have an mm-hmm. outside view. But um, when you turn it off, then you're alone. Right. Mm-hmm. Yep. And that's why you never turn off. Well, you saw that at the end there. Like after she was done right. videotaping, she turned it off and her face immediately fell. Yeah. Because it's like, I'm not on anymore. Right. And so then you're just alone. Yep. Um, okay, yep. Holly and then Jan. I thought it was really interesting that the interviewer, I love those facial expressions. <laughs> 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 but when he was interviewing the Hunger Games fan, right. he was actually in the bedroom, which, like, as a mom, I'm like, you're not going to interview my daughter in her bedroom, but that is where a very place that. Right. Oh yeah, this he's he's not a this guy's a pretty bright guy. And and you know that's that's the very place that this privacy thing. Yeah, I letting them come into to your bedroom. bedroom. I mean whether it be digitally or whatever. Right. Yep. Jan. After watching this yesterday, I guess I <laughs> Right. Yeah, and uh, if um, there is a one of the women that was uh, interviewed, like the adult people, um, she has a, a blog or whatever, and um, she was kind of diagnosed this cool bit. Back in the old days, cool was withholding things, you know, wearing sunglasses at night. Today, though, it's the exact opposite. You're cooler if you're out there. 
And, and so what's interesting is that creates a whole uh, a bunch of opportunities for people to what uh, yeah, abuse you. So I, I, you know, it's one of those things where, like, when when kids don't know what it means to sell out, you know, regardless. So they say, hey, I'm getting paid, I'm making a living by talking about stuff I like, like Tyler Oakley. Um, there's some other ones I never heard of until I watched this video. I Justine or something like this, and somebody else. But they have millions and tons, millions of followers. I mean, it's like a billion views or something. Crazy. But um, what, when, when you don't, you like, so selling out is you're just doing whatever they want so you get validation. So again, apply it to like our old circumstances, the in crowd, right? In crowd says, hey, you're cool if you do this. You do that. And even though it goes against who you are as a person, you do this to be accepted, right? I mean, that's happened in the past. It's happening. So a lot of these underlying um, value systems, it's the same old, same old. However, the environment in which it comes out is a lot different. One of the great things about this video was also who is directing everything. The kids have made this environment, and adults have joined into it, but it's embedded with teen values. And if we all remember our high school and our junior high years, those are the times where we don't really, I mean, a lot of us don't like going back there. (laughs) However, those values have now been embedded in something that's pervasive. Think about what that means. All right, uh, Cindy, well, Faye, first. Right. Sure. Well, and this is where watching the video, it is it is a business arena. However, that it was created for relationships and connection, but this has all been smashed together. So you have Tyler who says. I got a hundred views. I don't have a hundred friends. He's already mistaken things now. Because he's turned in his friendships into money making. And any relationship that's based on transactions is not based on love. So this is where watching the video, the, the positive aspect of watching this video is that you need to treat these platforms for what they are. And and they're basically primarily economical or, 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 or a business. So that if that's the case, then now one of the interesting things is the uh, there's a guy with a red beard that was just briefly shown. He runs a company called the audience.com. He's a very smart man to be able to do what he does in this. Um, but what's interesting is he, he actually says, well, it's all very open. Like, you know, what's going on here? It's all right there. And the guy who interviews is like, is it, is it really? He basically says it, it, the, the problem is that people can't see it is because it's invisible. And so he, he's turned this into a money-making thing. He's treated, he's treated the way that it probably is, and he's making millions of dollars off of it. 
But he, I mean, he goes into this whole situation aware of the thing. I mean, this is it. But I would say that's a paradigm shift. That's something, he's honest in his, yeah, his exploitation, yeah, exploitation, yep. Yeah, right. That, yep. Right. Yep. Yeah, that's exactly right. But of course, that that's fundamentally wrong, though, right? Because we're chasing it's it's a drug uh, uh, addiction. I mean, we're, we're seeking this affirmation, which again is based on a transaction. It's not based on grace. So as we kind of go over these questions, we see how the, it all falls apart. And as the church, then we need to, I mean, we need to be able to answer these questions and get our children or people to answer these questions apart from all this nonsense. Cindy? That's what I see with Tyler. I mean, this is probably because it wasn't... We don't know anything about him except for his online personality. He doesn't see it as a sellout. He thinks this is life. Oh, yeah, right. He's like, yeah. And he's gotten savvy enough where he's... He's, uh, he, he's actually, he's trying to figure out how he's going to, because I mean, he's like, whatever, 24? I mean, 20 years from now, is his age demographic, are they going to grow up with him? Or are like more people gonna, young people going to like him? I mean, come on. I mean, when he's 44, you're not going to have 19-year-olds be like, hey, this guy's cool. <laughs> you know, so he, he is, he's at this point now where he's trying to figure out how he can uh, brand himself into a wider audience. Jan. I think the one example that caught my eye was Stephen the skateboarder. Yeah, well, which we didn't, we did, yeah, we didn't see. That was, the, that, uh, that was, I felt, more disturbing than the young girl. But, but you know, the whole idea behind him was that he came from a low-income Right. Got noticed because he could skateboard really good. Right. Yep. Skateboards and all that stuff. And he suddenly realized that he has an avenue that he could actually make money and get his family out of the situation that they were in, but he had to keep doing more bizarre things right. in order to get noticed. Yeah. And it's like, oh my God, what has this done? Right. Perspective, yeah. Yeah, not not the gross things that he said. Yep. Right. All right. So let's just wrap this up. Um, so the, the as we as we approach people and children, and then they're in these environments. I mean, there's, there's a couple solutions is to educate our children what these environments are and then also help them live in those environments. I think that's one thing. Uh, second of all is to, I mean, you can, you, can, you can take a step back out of it. In terms of relationships, again, I, I, I mean, one of these things is if you treat it as a business platform, 
that I think for me changes everything in terms of kind of what you expect out of this. Um, it's marketing. That's all it is. Uh, it's not truth telling. It's not you. You're trying to get somebody to do something. That's it. Um, the other aspect, though, is is that you. Anytime your identity is based upon other people affirming or liking you, not to make too much of the word like, um, you are never actually content and secure in yourself. There's always a question, do they like me? Obviously, God puts all those questions to rest based on his grace, his love, and then also his community the church. And, and the church is where we play this out and then show the world what God says. All right, Barb, and then we're done. Well, the old one did. Merchants of Cool was. This just came out, so I, I don't know if it's in schools. It's usually in sociology class, history class. Oh, no, I mean, like I said, this one just came out last month, so there's not discussion guides. But the old one, Merchants of Cool, came with a whole, like, teaching curriculum, questions. Yeah, in fact, yeah, so one of the things was is that, or ramifications of what happened was, is that did it empower children to just recognize things? I shouldn't use the word empower. Did it educate the children to just simply recognize things, or did it educate children to actually change things? One would say that it just simply exposes things, and children now can simply say, yeah, I want that. I don't care. I'm a sellout. I'm getting paid. So, I mean, that would be a question whether what, what's happening. By the way, the, the sellout bit, uh, materialism is rampant throughout this video. Materialism, okay? I mean, that just, it's not getting better. Okay, let's pray.